this morning. I know I've already said it in the, in the announcements on the screen this morning, but I'm going to reinforce it. Circle of Friends is next Sunday. If you don't know what that is, it's when we're all going to gather in different homes around the place for lunch, uh, different hosts and different guests, and we would like all of you to be part of it, quite frankly. I know there's about 130 so far have said we want to be part of this, um, but you can, it's not too late. So today's the last chance. Kate's going to be at that back door there next to Beth and Eric and uh, she'll take your names and we're going to work it out and she'll do all the hard work of working out who goes where. So let's do that. Everybody part of that. Next Sunday is going to be a big Sunday. So Circle of Friends after church. But during the service, uh, well, what we're going to do is actually have a, a worship service. You know, we've been doing this once a term. You know, less preaching from me, more singing, more prayer, more testimonies, that kind of thing. So that's going to be next Sunday as well. And then immediately afterwards, we're going to all head outside and we're going to do a little soil-turning ceremony. Yeah. Because um, there's going to be workmen on site the following week, right, from the 15th. Yes. It's finally underway. Let's do a better clap than that. Come on. And you need to stay tuned because things are going to change. Uh, there's going to be, you know, fencing which, around, which means there'll be less car parks that way. And, and we've got to work out how to get more car parks that way. So stay tuned and we'll let you know what's going to be happening with that. A big announcement today. You thought that was big. Here's a big announcement for you. We, we, you know, we... Um, we sadly send off the Vanderpool family. They're doing great in Wangaratta, by the way. You need to do that. And people have been saying to me, what's happening? What's happening? Is there going to be another pastor coming along? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. And so after long discussions and interviews, I'm really pleased to announce that um, starting in May this year full-time, Mark Missenden is going to be joining us on the team. Yeah, that was a good round of applause, Mark. That's a good sign. Um, so Mark's going to be coming on board as... Now, you know he's already a ministerial student, right? He's training for the ministry. He, he's training to be a pastor. And so um, he's going to come on as an administrator. That's going to be his main role. But he will be a licensed pastor very soon. And so it's this tricky thing where I, we're going to see him as an assistant pastor straight up, right? Um, but the title kind of... It, it waits because there's systems and things like that. You can call him pastor if you want, and, um, but he's going to be there with us and part of that team, and that's so good. He'll also be overseeing uh, the worship ministry still. He's going to help me with small groups and stuff like that, but he will be taking a lot of stuff off me, which is great. Yeah. I noted my wife was cheering the loudest on that one. Mark, do you want to come and just say a couple of quick words? Thanks, everybody. That was, um, that was really nice. I imagine I'll probably have, a, have an opportunity to speak from time, from time to time. 
And so every time I get up, I expect that kind of round of applause. That would be, a, that'd be awesome. We just make it a thing. Um, but um, I just want to thank you so much for, um, for welcoming me and loving me. And mine's been an interesting journey. Like, uh, you know, I was sharing with, I've been sharing with Pastor Nathan this, our journey to Hills was a bit odd. And, um, you know, we were part of a church close to home, sort of a couple minutes drive where, um, you know, it's a, kids were loving it and, um, and we were loving it, involved in ministry, but there was this, this small amount of discontentment, I suppose, and that, or maybe that God was moving us on to somewhere else and, and we found ourselves here and, and once again, I thought a bit odd because our kids were one of six in the kids' ministry. I'm thinking, oh man, I was really hoping that, you know, we'd find ourselves in a church where our kids could grow up alongside kids. And obviously we've seen now that, um, you know, hasn't he just brought families and it's just awesome and created a community that our kids could be a part of. But at the same time, he's shaping me as well, you know, in, in business and putting me in positions that I'm not an overly ambitious person. But I've just found myself in, in team leader and managerial roles, and he, I think he's been shaping me for this time. And so this is um, really exciting. And man, um, we've been praying hard, Jules and I, and I think he's brought us closer together, as you can imagine. But I just feel the support and the love from all of you. And um, so I just want to thank you. And um, man, I'm going to need you. So um, um, thanks, Pastor Nathan, for your support. And um, yeah. Looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, still turn on. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too, Mark. But let's pray. We're going to, we'll have a, a Sunday when Mark officially begins with us when we'll, um, as a church, we'll lay hands and things like that. But let's pray still today. God, I just thank you for the journey. And, um, you know, we, we, uh, in a sense, we're putting our trust in you and we know that you are faithful. And uh, our prayer as a church, Lord, is uh, for, for Mark and Julie and their family, Lord, that you would abundantly provide for them and bless them. Uh, and Lord, I believe that there is something significant that you've got in store for Mark as he moves into this uh, new phase of ministry. I think there'll be fruit, God. I think that your kingdom will grow because of it and expand. And so, Lord, we're praying uh, those things over him now and for p- uh, protection as well in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Thanks, Mark. Grab a seat. Um, by the way, that conversation, um, this process with Mark began, uh, there was a, a conversation about five years ago. And uh, it's kind of a similar story to me in some ways. And uh, I remember we were at GYG, and I was like, I kind of feel like God might have his hand on you for ministry. And it was like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I remember this, this happened with me and Lex as well, so... If I ever ask you out for lunch, just be, be ready. Uh, I am uh, sure everyone here at some point in their life has had uh, a moment when they decided, I kind of need to get in shape. You know, has it, you know what I'm talking about, right? Everyone's had that moment. It might have been a New Year's resolution or a, maybe you're sitting in the doctor's office and they're kind of gently suggesting you need to do something, or maybe you're inspired by someone that you met recently. And I, I remember I was at a dinner recently, and there was a, a gentleman there I hadn't met before, and, and he went from nothing to being able to run 40-kilometer marathons, and he would run up and down Mount Kutha. And I don't know if that inspired me or scared me, but, you know, I was thinking about that. And I admit that my fitness level, it's not that great at the moment, but there was a time five or six years ago when I was on a roll. 
you know, I found a free app called Couch to 5K. Did anyone, anyone know this app? I don't know if it's free anymore. It basically gets you from sitting on the couch, which is one of my favourite places, to being able to run 5Ks without stopping. You know, you put your headphones in, it tells you when to run and when to walk, and when to run and when to walk, and every day it adds a little bit more running in there, and it gets harder and harder and harder. And uh, it took me several months of running two or three times a week, but eventually I got there. You know, I could run 5Ks without stopping. Yeah, it was well. And the feeling <laughs> was satisfying. Very satisfying. And then, sadly, only a few weeks later, my knees decided that they didn't like this anymore. And it, it stopped me, unfortunately. And even though I tried different things, I had to, to give that up. You know, it's no excuse. I could have taken up something else, which I didn't. So, uh, but during that time, I remember how beneficial it was for me to be that, that level of physically fit. Now, I know that that's A level. It's not the highest level. It's A level. But it, was, it wasn't just personally rewarding of being able to achieve this, you know, being able to run those Ks. I just felt better all around. You know, slept better, studied better, felt better, probably more productive, I would say, in general. In fact, writing this sermon has, has me thinking um, how far backwards I've probably gone since then and, you know, what do I need to do to, to move forwards a little, a little bit? But as we continue in this series in Joshua, which is what we're doing, uh, as the Israelites follow God's plan for them to move into a new land, I'm starting to see something. You know, I'm starting to see a leader and his people that have actually learnt what it means to be spiritually fit. You know what I mean? And the results of that spiritual fitness is bearing fruit as we're going through the book of Joshua. So before we get into chapter 4 and 5 today, let me just go back a bit because in Deuteronomy, we get a bit of insight into why I say or why I think this nation can say we are, they're spiritually fit. Here it is in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for those 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of of the Lord. And this is the people that we're reading about now. You know, 40 years of learning to live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Just imagine what that's like for a moment. 40 years of learning humility. That's a long time to learn humility. 40 years of being tested. These are words I'm getting from the scripture. 40 years of character building. 40 years of learning to trust God that they could completely depend on him and obey him. 40 years of that and more. In other words, this generation of Israelites, they're spiritually fit. And we're seeing the results of that when they, they hit the Jordan River and God says go and they go. It's no wonder they didn't hesitate. And this is important for us today because, you know, Christians, we're in a culture that's changing fast and the church is not really seeing, you know, it's seen as irrelevant. But sometimes even worse than that, the church is kind of considered by some people as almost dangerous these days. And so how on earth do we fulfill our mission in that culture? You know, how do we go and make disciples of all nations when we're hearing these views now? And so my contention is that our spiritual fitness 
it's got to be high. If I can equate running, this running idea with our level of spiritual fitness, you know, being able to run 5Ks, quite frankly, that's just the start. You know, maybe that's just the level that you need to survive. But I think God wants us to have more than survival. You know, I think God's about us flourishing. I think that uh, he's looking for people that can comfortably handle that 40K marathon. Do you you know what I mean, so to speak? So let's take a look at how this spiritually fit group of God followers moved into Canaan. And if you missed the last few messages, by the way, they're, they're always on our website these days. You can catch up. But we're up to the point where the Israelites, they've just crossed the Jordan. That's where we finished two weeks ago. And today we're going to be in chapter 4. So we'll start at verse 1. When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose 12 men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. So if you don't know the story... The priest carried the ark into the middle of the Jordan. God stops the water from flowing and the whole nation moves across. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. And then moving down to verse 21. Then Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future your children will ask, What do these stones mean? And you can tell them, This is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, And he kept it dry until you were all across, just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried it up until we had all crossed over. He did this so that all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful, and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. You know, this section, um, I almost pulled it out because I didn't want today to go too long, but I I just felt like I had to mention this. Um, I've got some ideas today of, of how we can be spiritually fit, some exercises we can do, and this for me is actually one of them. Number one is memorialize moments of God's faithfulness. It doesn't seem like it that big a deal, does it, when you, when, you just, when you say it out loud like that. But I got to thinking, you know, we're prone to forgetting what God has done for us and for others. And Jesus knew that too. It's exactly why he said, do what we did this morning. You know, take Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, whatever we call it. Jesus knew that we were prone to forget And that our faith might wane if we don't remember. He knew 2,000 years later that that cross had to maintain its significance. So communion is essential for all believers to bring us back to what he has done for us. It's also a means of grace. It's a time where where we, uh, we meet with God in a really close and personal way. But it's not just communion. I think the lesson for us here is to ensure we have memorials to not only remind us of what God has done, but actually I think we need to be able to show people, particularly our kids, what God has done in our life. The reason we use symbols like that cross is to remind us of God's faithfulness. And the reason we share testimonies is to thank God of how great he is and of his faithfulness. Now, I'm not a very sentimental person, but I was challenged as I was considering this passage and I was thinking of the times that God has provided for my family and actually he's provided for my calling. You know, I wish I had more memorials to not only remind me, but that I could point to my kids and just say, this is what happened. This is what God did. But having said that, in my office on the top shelf is this little reminder. 
And I've told you this, this story before of this time uh, when I really felt like God was, he was calling me into to this role to be a pastor. And I'm walking the beach on Coochie Mudlow Island. You've, most of you have heard this story. And, the, and all of the fear and concerns and worries hit me. And, and immediately I thought about how do, you, how do I back out of this maybe? But I, it was like clear as day. It was in that moment. You know, sometimes you just hear God really clear. He said, Nathan, I've got this. You know, we've been singing about it, haven't we? The battle belongs to the Lord. And that stuck with me. Things don't stick with me that often. That stuck with me. And I remember sharing it with my staff, and I think Kerry actually wrote this for me on a piece of card in her really nice cursive writing. I can't write that good. And somehow it got framed at some point, and it just sits there to remind me when things are difficult, it's a memorial to that time when God was with me and he said, I've got this. And that's the example I'm trying to give you. Don't neglect communion, but don't forget to make memorials of God's goodness and faithfulness in your life. And I encourage you to do that and show it to people. Show it to people. All right, we're moving on to chapter 5. This is a passage I never thought I would ever preach on. Chapter 5, verse 2. At that time, the Lord told Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the second generation of Israelites. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the entire male population of Israel at Gibeath Haraloth. I'm just going with that pronunciation. Moving down to verse 7. So Joshua circumcised their sons, those who had grown up, to take their father's place, for they had not been circumcised on the way to the promised land. After all the males had been circumcised, they rested in the camp until they were healed. Yeah, this is today's sermon topic. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're looking at doing mass vaccinations at the moment. That's just a needle in the arm. You've got to kind of imagine the tents that were set up for this and the lines out the door, both ends... I mean, we could be talking about the, pop, the, size, the population size similar to Brisbane here. That is crazy. But I don't know if you noticed it, but they're in enemy territory. They've crossed over. You know, they're, they're exposed. Not that way. <laughs> Seriously now, they're, ex- they're, they're exposed to, to the enemy. You know, there's, you're literally taking all your fighting men out of action. And there's a healing that has to go on. And, and, and I wonder, you remember we were talking about before they crossed the Jordan and Joshua said, purify yourself. I'm like, well, that, that could have been a good time, you know. Before you get over the Jordan, where the enemy's there watching but no God leads them over the enemy's right there and this is what they do and then he says you do this and they did it and they completely were open to attack for however many days it took these men to heal unlike their previous generation you know that they wouldn't even cross the Jordan River when they got there this generation had learnt something. 
they not only crossed, they're doing these things that the the normal people wouldn't do, that God's telling them to do. Because they're spiritually fit. They've done 40 years of fitness training. They also celebrated a Passover again on the enemy's side. Verse 10, while the Israelites were camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, they celebrated Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the first month. You know, they were embracing God's rituals at a time when it wouldn't seem wise for normal humans to do that. We should be in defensive positions. You know, we were using the example of World War II a few, years, a few weeks back when uh, the Allies landed at Normandy on, on D-Day, right? Just imagine you go and you take the beach. The Germans are still there all through France. But you stop. Let's do some maintenance for a few days and have a party or things like that. You know, you wouldn't, normal people wouldn't do this kind of thing. But the Israelites did because God told them to. They were true to that proclamation back in Deuteronomy. We live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. They'd learned to be spiritually fit. They depended totally on God. And church, if we're to really follow God into the mission in, in this culture that we're in right now, that he's given us, both as individual Christians and as a church, we have to be spiritually fit. We must live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. If the story of Joshua tells us anything, we can live this life that God asks us and we can be holy and we can make disciples of all nations, but it doesn't just happen by saying the words. We've got to be spiritually fit church. So the, ex- the second exercise I want to bring to you today is that we need to worship and pray together religiously. And I deliberately use the word religiously because the dictionary says that word means with consistent and conscientious regularity. Religiously. When we read about you know, this nation that was following God as their king, we see a constant collective worship. They practice annual rituals together, you know, like the Passover, uh, that God asked them to, to remember and honour God and, and his faithful, faithfulness to them. They prayed together. They supported each other. They encouraged each other. They observed the Sabbath together. The New Testament church likewise followed the same pattern of meeting regularly. The new Christians prayed together constantly. You know, so many references are made in Acts when the church was born about how much they prayed. Constant prayer. So church praying together is is just a very normal practice for Christians. It's literally the core practice of a church. If we're not praying, we're just not being the church. We're just gathering in our own name, really, if we're not praying. You know, we're serving in our own strength. And we know what the Bible says about when you try to build in your own strength. It says, well, you're just doing it in vain. God has to build the house. Remember the author of Hebrews in chapter 10 he said, whatever you do, don't neglect gathering together. So it's important for us to gather and open the word and worship and pray together. If the Bible says that we do it because that's one of the essential ways for us to, say, to stay spiritually fit. All right, exercise number three is to go deeper in our knowledge of the word. Now, this could be the most common point in all of the sermons preached around the word world each week, right? And you've heard it from me over and over again, but we have to constantly come back to this. Moses said in Deuteronomy that they were going to live by every word from the mouth of the Lord. And if we're going to do that, we have to know our Bibles. 
So, question for you, how well do you know your Bible? If you're going to be spiritually fit, if we as a church are going to be spiritually fit, we have to live out this command. It, just, it can't be left to those around us who we know are doing the reading. Thank goodness we've got those people in the church who are reading the Bible a lot. Hopefully it rubs off on me, right? Actually, we can't do that. We all have to take ownership of this. You know, every few, the last, every few years we've been reading the New Testament together, right? You know, I, I, was, I really loved how we did that in 2019. Um, and, and many of you said to me how helpful it was. We used the Immerse Bibles and we read through the whole New Testament. This is so important for us. I'm considering doing something similar next year, but for the first time, we might do some Old Testament reading together. I personally find the Old Testament reading to be hard going at times. I can be honest about that. But we shouldn't let that stop us because God reveals himself through the Old Testament just as much as the New Testament. You know, it's really the story of God and us and the world, and creation. But my message to you today is that if you want to be spiritually fit and we need to be, we need to be pray, uh, please know the word because it will shape you. Again, in Hebrews it says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. Why wouldn't we want to read that? It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires, which is a good thing, by the way. Spiritually fit people in spiritually fit churches, they know their Bible. But notice it isn't just about head knowledge. According to that verse, the Bible should be cutting deep into our soul and our spirit. It has to go from head to heart, and it just has to change us. And, and, you know, if you're reading your Bible and you're not being changed, there's probably something wrong with how we're reading it. Living by every word from the mouth of the Lord is what Moses said. Not just knowing it, living it. So our Bibles, they should be changing us. God is changing us, I should say, through, through his word, the Bibles we're reading. You know, there should be more fruit of the Spirit, more loving, more patience, more kindness, more courage, we've been talking about that, more strength, more boldness, more humility, less arrogance, less pride, less judgment of others, less sin, more generosity, more helpfulness, more compassion. That's the changes that comes from that Bible that is alive and powerful. And it goes deep. Exercise number four is put your gifts to work. And if you look through... The previous books before Joshua, you find times when the tribes, they were all given different tasks to do. You know, the Israelites, had, they all had roles that they had to do so that Israel could accomplish the mission that God had given them. And it's a similar way for us. You will find a command in the New Testament for the new Christians to put your gifts to work in the church or in, in, our, in our society to accomplish the, the mission that God has given us. You know, every person here today has a role. Every person here, if you are a committed follower of Christ, also has a gift that he has given you. And in my experience, when the contribution is spread wide, across the whole church, the church is very powerful and very effective. When we serve God through the church, we're actually increasing our spiritual uh, fitness, by the way. We're actually getting out and we're putting this thing into action, you know? We're exercising the gift. 
We're putting legs onto our faith. We stretch ourselves. You know, one of the weaknesses of the, of the, you know, the, I don't want to pick on us, but on the wider church that I've observed is that we can be really good at words. You know, there's a lot of expert opinions, but sadly I think there is not as many putting their words of faith and grace and love into action through acts of faith, grace, and love and service. The gifts God gives to us too often sit idle. And the problem with that is that God may take that gift from you or he might even take a gift from a whole church and give it to someone else who's going to put it to good use. We, and the reason I say that is because Jesus says it in Matthew 25. He talks about three servants, right? Two invested what was given to them wisely and, reduced, and produced a return and the third did nothing. And Jesus actually uses the words wicked and lazy to describe number three. Serving the kingdom for all your worth is what God's followers do. And, 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 it, and it increases our spiritual fitness when we all get involved. You know, I love the faith of Joshua and the Israelites here. What we're talking about is a total dependence on God. You know, this is what I'm talking to us about as a church. Having that total dependence on God like the Israelites did in this moment. This is how spiritually fit people live out their calling. This is how a spiritually fit church lives out its calling. Our trust is in Christ alone that he will make a way when it doesn't seem possible. Because when we're not spiritually fit, if we're just on the couch, then troubles will knock us off course. And we won't be able to fulfill what we think we believe God has called us to do. It takes a spiritually fit church to live out this, this faith. So my challenge here today is to is to get off the couch and, and do at least a 5K challenge. I mean, spiritually. <laughs> you can do the other one as well. And then a 10K challenge. And then a 20K challenge. You know what I mean, right? So I'm putting this challenge to you today. Don't neglect worship and praying together. You know, I'm not just saying that as a pastor who wants to boost numbers, okay? I mean, I do actually want... Numbers, because it tells me something. I'm saying this because I've watched people drop away from faith after they dropped away from church. If you struggle to pray with others, here's the stretching challenge for you. Do something about it. Take a small step. You know, find someone you trust. Meet with them and pray. You know, um, I know that sometimes people get a little anxious about praying out loud in front of others. They're worried they might say the wrong thing or what other people might think. But when you're just in a conversation with people, it's not that much different. We're just in a conversation with God. And he, all he wants to do is hear what's on your heart. That's all. Simple prayers. They don't have to be flowery. They don't have to be long. Just simple prayers. I encourage you to do that. Find someone that you can pray with. Stretch yourself. Be, be uh, spiritually fit. You know, start a, a daily or weekly discipline of reading and studying the Bible. We've all heard that one a hundred times, I know. But we'll, let's keep saying it and do it. A daily discipline. If you find reading the Bible boring for some reason, I'm happy to talk to you about ways we can help with that. You know, if it's difficult to understand, I'm happy to talk to you about ways we can deal with that as well.
It's discover your gifts. Put them to use for, for God in the church. Or if it's not in the church, it's in, in some other way to, to help, help the community. Memorialize the times in your life God has answered your prayer and has been faithful to you. And just remember those times. You know, there's other things you can do, of course, to stay spiritually fit. You know, be part of a small group. Uh, do a Bible college course on basic theology, for example. And some of you are doing that right now. You know, do the intro to, to Old Testament, the intro to New Testament. Get an overview of what the Bible's about, the different, um, different genres that are in there so you can understand when you're reading these different books, what on earth is going on here? Why was it written like that? Those things will help you be spiritually fit. Here's one for you. Find the courage to invite someone to Alpha. That little stretching exercise, you know, you know how you do these exercises sometimes? Invite somebody to Alpha stretches us and it increases our fitness. Term two is Alpha. Give your time and money to, to those in need or, or a tithe to the church. Those things stretch us. So take a moment today to evaluate your spiritual fitness. If a very fit runner can run a 40K marathon, where would you put yourself on a spiritual fitness scale if, if, if it was out of 40, say? Where would you put yourself in there? You know, can you do the 40? Can you do the 20? Can you do the 10? Can you do the 5? Can you do a casual walk around the block? I encourage you this week, why don't you set some spiritual fitness goals? You can, you can set some general fitness goals, but why don't you set some spiritual fitness goals? Wouldn't that be interesting? You know, don't just leave it to chance. Don't just leave it to the pastors or the elders. Put aside 30 minutes and pray and ask God to help you set some goals and then how will you get there? How will you be spiritually fit? Because we want to run the good race. Let's be a spiritually fit church and keep moving towards God as he calls us. You know, there will be times when we feel exposed, when danger lurks and pressure comes our way, but a spiritually fit church will be at peace in those times. You know that we can relax in those moments because we have a total dependence on God like the Israelites did. God will make a way. I'm excited about our future. I'm excited about the fruit that we're going to see. But when we are a church that's committed and, and spiritually in shape, like we're talking about this morning, we will see God move in amazing ways. We will be resilient in the times of trouble. Would you pray with me? Lord, I want to thank you for your word again today. And Lord, I thank you for the record of what you did with the Israelites and with Joshua, that great, strong and courageous leader. And Father, we want to, in some ways we want to emulate that. We don't want to be like the Israelites that, that got to the Jordan and went the other way scared. We actually want to cross over and trust you. Uh, but Lord, we, we have to be in tune with you. We have to know you. you know, we have to be um, spiritually fit. And I pray, Father, that this week you would help us as we consider this challenge today. As we consider 
how we can be close to you, how we can know your ways well, how we can be strong, how we can be courageous, how we can be faithful, Lord. I pray that you will help us get there, Lord Jesus. I pray as people um, consider that this week and they spend time with you, that you will just bring ideas to their mind, uh, Lord, that you will just help them have the, um, the strength to get there, that you will help us, Lord, when we need to um, you know, get off the couch, so to speak, and just do those first, first five Ks, that you will help us, Lord Jesus. God, we want to know you more. And we believe that you are the, the, the way maker. You, you know, even when we don't see it, you're working. And we believe it, Lord, this morning. God, for the times that we've neglected you, I, I want to just take a moment and just say, you know, we're sorry. Forgive us, God. Forgive us for not loving you as much as you loved us. Forgive us, Lord, for the times you were calling us and getting our attention and we sat on the couch. Lord, forgive us.